Hello and welcome to today's episode of Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. Today I'm joined by naturopath and CNM graduate Elizabeth Payton Jones. Elizabeth is going to be talking to us about the five aging processes and her eat yourself young philosophy. She'll also be sharing her top anti-aging foods and advice and tips on how we can look and feel our best. Elizabeth is the founder of EPJ Health and a master herbalist and naturopath with 20 years experience. She's the author of three best-selling books, including her global hit, Eat Yourself Young. Her approach to health is truly naturopathic to bring the body back into balance and allow it to heal naturally. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Well, that was a wonderful introduction. Thank you very much. I am very good. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Thanks so much for joining me today to share your knowledge and experience. It's really great to have you on the show. It's my pleasure. So look, I'm really looking forward to learning all about your Eat Yourself Young philosophy and your top anti-aging tips. But before we get into that, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to study natural medicine? Well, it's kind of, I suppose it's, it's, it's quite an interesting story in the way that unlike a lot of my, my contemporaries, I didn't sort of grow up thinking about naturopathic medicine and, you know, eating naturally and, and things like that. I, I was actually quite a pharmaceutical type person. I mean, my father was, you know, fought in the war and antibiotics were something that were king. I mean, you know, he really believed in doctors. And if we were sick, you know, you went to a doctor and there was always a pill for something that was wrong with you. And if there was no pill, then there was nothing wrong with you. It was, it was pretty much we grew up like that. So for me, the aha moment, I suppose, came when I was in Russia and they very much believed in their folk medicine, um, or what we would call folk medicine, and they did not believe in and didn't trust Western medicine. So I learned um, very quickly how to heal myself with food um, in Russia. And I got really sick when I was there and I was expecting to have some kind of antibiotic or some kind of medicine to help me that I recognized. And instead, this girl went off and got me a bottle of vodka and a load of food. I just thought, okay, my mushroom is bad, but now I am going to die. And in fact, the vodka was to take down the temperature. They put it on your feet and and it absorbs heat. So it's a way they give it to to babies, actually, because I couldn't swallow because everything was sort of swollen and red and um, I really wasn't very well. She um, did that to me and then and then um, gave me a broth that she'd sort of boiled up from things that she had bought. And I remember sleeping and then getting up and feeling better, not obviously well, but better. And I thought, how did food do that to me? I mean, that's just so strange. And so I thought I'm going to dig into this a little bit more because that's something that's within my control. I mean, I can I can understand that. And I thought we in the West may have lost that technique. And so really my journey began when I wanted to learn more about that. Um, And then I came back to England and went to CNM. Great. That's fantastic. And it's amazing. I think a lot of people start that way. It's, you know, they have some sort of ailment or condition and they try a few things and it really helps. And they think, oh, I need to learn more about this. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, everybody's journey is, is different. You know, when I was was studying, the people that were really um, were actually my contemporaries at the time had been people whose families had always eaten well. And that's why I made that comment. But 
I suppose now, yes, people are becoming much, much more aware of it because um, it's a diverse, it's, a, it's, it's moving away from the kind of foods that we are eating, which are high fat, high salt, high sugar. Um, and, you know, if you've been brought up with processed foods and then suddenly start healing yourself in, in a natural sense, you really realize the power of it, you know, both good and bad, by the way. And that absolutely, I completely agree. So on the course, what was the one thing that you learned that was kind of a light bulb moment for you, aside from what you've already learned about the healing properties of food? Well, I mean, I think every day was a light bulb moment, <laughs> I'm being honest. I mean, I went in every day. And every single day I learned something different. I mean, every every single day. And also, you know, the CNM really encouraged you to... Um, to go through processes. So, you know, we had to go through um, a detox or we had to to do some acupuncture, you know, or acupuncture in the ear, you know, Mm -hmm. or um, so we were learning and and doing all the time. And so you were feeling things all the time. And that, that does two things for you. One, it makes you very prepared when you have patients because then you know what they're going through and can sympathize. And you know um, some of the healing crises they might have, mm-hmm. um, but also it makes you aware of your own journey. So while I was learning, I was I was actually processing my own healing. So you know the the aha moments when you're learning like that come because you learn more about yourself. You learn more about your healing process, your personal journey, and those are all aha moments. For me, I mean, that's that was my um, that was the power when I saw it happening to myself, and then obviously that was compounded when you when you then treat people and they also get better. But you know, I was talking a little bit about this um, earlier. But we we one of the things that um, I found very difficult coming out of the course, and indeed, you know, during the course was the feeling that I shouldn't be giving this information away for free that that somehow healing is about for me when I got into it it was about giving so I didn't want to charge people for for knowing what I knew and I felt strongly that that it wasn't right somehow that that somehow healing should be open to everybody and that this is a this is something that I should I should give because I know it um, and because I wanted people to get better and I, I, and I, I you know, kind of wanted to heal the world, world sort of thing. And then gradually you come out and you realize, actually, I've got to make a living from this. You know, I actually, I, I can't because otherwise I'm going to go, I'm going to go bust in a couple of weeks if I don't charge. And then nobody's going to know anything. So there's this kind of idea of how do I charge um, and make money out of something that I feel should be free? Um, and still feel good about myself at the end of the day. And I found it very hard. And, and I remember my sister saying to me, right, you know, you you need to ring me every single day and say to me, okay, you you owe me £30. I used to charge £30 an hour. You, you owe me £30 for this. Because, I, I mean, I was treating people and never getting a penny. And so <laughs> I was going to pay my bills. So it was this crazy situation. No, absolutely. I can completely relate to it. It's it's about that mindset shift, isn't it? When we go from, right, 
we've learned all this stuff. Now, how are we going to make that business? So I think I love that idea that your sister sort of was coaching you into doing that. So what was the, what, the, the, the moment where it clicked and you thought, okay, I can do this now. Was there a moment like that? Um, there was a moment when somebody was insisting that they pay me. And I was like, no, 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 no. And they were like, I actually have to because otherwise I don't, I don't feel good about this. I mean, I don't, I don't feel good that you're doing this for me. There's no exchange. And I suddenly began to think what it was like to be on the other side of the coin, receiving treatment and then somebody saying, oh, no, it's just, it's, it's free, don't worry about it. And I began to realize that, in fact, you need to have an exchange. And indeed, there were times when, another aha moments, when I actually, you know, was giving these things away and people were actually not valuing it mm-hmm. simply because it seemed free. So therefore they they were like, oh, well, then there's no value in it. It's a little bit like when you, you get a free gift from a store, you'll never, you'll never value it as much as something that you paid for. So those are my two moments of thinking, okay, I've got to take this seriously. Because actually, if I don't take it seriously, you're not respectful for the people, the person that is, is being healed. And also you're not respectful to yourself. Because actually, at the end of the day, if you don't create value in yourself, nobody else takes that value. A hundred percent. And I completely agree. Is that value? And I I know the times that I've given somebody some free advice and they don't go and do the work because it's like they haven't paid for it. And I think not necessarily because they haven't paid for it, but I think they don't see that value and that connection. Whereas if somebody's coming and paying you a hundred pounds or whatever it is for that consultation, they're going to sort of you know, lap up everything you're saying and then say, right, I've got to make this work. So I've got to do these things. Otherwise I'm not going to see results. Right. It's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's pain. You have to make the person feel like they are going through hoops for themselves. I mean, you're there for support and everything like that. But honestly, by the end of it, I was charging quite a lot and people were very happy to pay. But you know, the other thing was, is that I was very results driven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was on people all the time. If I didn't see a result within within two weeks, I would do every single thing that I could to ensure that, that there was a result. Because, and if there wasn't, then I would, you know, almost give their money back because I just didn't feel that was fair. But, I mean, they knew when they were with me that they were going through a journey and they were 100% supported, 100%. They could call me any time, which may not be good, but it was just the way I did it. I mean, I don't suggest that for everybody because it is quite exhausting but I was dealing with quite I was dealing with cancer patients and you know it was quite sometimes it was very difficult because it was life and death Mm -hmm. I mean when I started which was 15 years ago people didn't come to see me until unless they were end of the line yeah they would see every other person and there was nothing else left to do and then they would come and see me so I was really dealing with people that nobody else could 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 deal with Every doctor had given up on, and there was no pill left, and they'd given up mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So you know, it was a very, it was a very delicate balance that I that I in the end created because they they were relying on me a, a lot at the beginning, and this is that this is the technique you learn as a practitioner. You have to get the patient to believe in what you're saying and believe in you. And as soon as you've got that and they do what you're saying, 
The next part of the journey is they're doing what you're saying and they're getting better. And then you have to let them go. You have to give them that independence. You have to allow them to feel that they're healing themselves, that it's not you. You've given them the advice, but it's them that's doing it. They're doing the hard work. And that's when you have to let the patient go. And that's the hardest hard, hardest link, if you like, because they can come back to you every now and again for advice. But if you've, if you've got them better, the most important journey that they can be on is that they can, they can heal themselves. I mean, that's the point of a practitioner. You get them to the point where they know themselves so well, they can heal themselves. No, absolutely. And that's really great advice. We are the facilitators. We're the ones there to hold their hand, give them the information. But ultimately, you know, they've got to do the work. You can bring the horse to water, as that old saying goes. But if somebody's not going to change their diet and make the lifestyle choices that's going to enable good health, then you know, there's not much else we can do um, apart from be there and support them and sort of champion them on. Absolutely. So since graduating from CNM, you've built a hugely successful health business, you know, as a busy practitioner, you're a corporate wellness consultant, you've launched your own product range and the author of a number of best-selling health books. So you really pride yourself in having a common sense approach to health. Can you please explain what this means and how you encourage your clients to follow this principle? Well, I think that, you know, for me, common sense means that I don't get fatty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't buy into the sort of like suddenly, you know, no carbs or suddenly only protein diets or starving yourself for five days. And you know, for me, the no nonsense was that, you know, you can have these superfoods if you want to that are, are great, but I'm not going to get into food groups and say only eat red fruits or red vegetables or whatever it might be. For me, a, a sensible approach is to learn that the body has five processes which occur, doesn't matter what you do, they occur because they have to within your body. But the, the, the problem with them are is that as, as much as they are needed in the body, if they exacerbate themselves, if you like, they go on longer than they should do if they're, if they're not um, kept in check, that's when you get dis-ease in the body. That's when the body begins to react badly and then you need to bring it back into balance again. So as long as you understand these five processes, then what happens is is that your body can repair more easily, you get better cellular renewal. Um, If you do get sick, you recover quicker. So that's my philosophy. And food helps with that. It, It encourages that. And the other point that I make is that people need to get to know themselves because every person has a particular weakness. So some person, they might have, for example, a weakness in their stomach, or they might be somebody who has creaky or achy joints, or they might have a thyroid disposition, or, you know, whatever it might be. One person's medicine is is another person's poison. Mm -hmm. So you have to know yourself because there are certain foods that might be great for one person um, without a condition, but somebody with that condition, it would be poisonous for. Absolutely. So just going back to those five processes, can you just explain those processes briefly, just for anyone that might not be aware of those? Sure. So the five processes are acidity. So we're basically, should be alkaline, but unfortunately most of the food we eat creates an um, acid base in our body and we, you know, 
we have to create more of an alkaline state. Um, so if you can imagine that we're 70% water and we're like fish, and in the sea, if, you, if you've ever kept a fish or if you've ever swum in the sea, you kind of see why coral is so important because the coral creates the minerals that, that, that makes the sea alkaline. And it's the same in our bodies. You know, we have bones and those bones create alkalinity in our body because they, they buffer the acidity. So if you're eating a lot of acid foods, yeah, you'll remain alkaline, but the at what expense? And the expense is, is the, that it draws minerals from your bones, which is why you get bone thinning and osteoporosis. So acidity is something that you need to keep in check. And you need to keep it in check, not just by drinking water, but you need to keep it in check by, you know, eating um, a majority of alkaline types of foods, which are greens, really. So you're talking about, you know, cucumber, celery, um, talking about spinach, kales, all the green family, but that's, that's what you're talking about because um, the others have, they're either neutral or are slightly acid in, in, in their base. So you can, you can get the list either on the internet or from my book of the acidic foods. Um, the next one is inflammation. So um, inflammation is something that's very natural in the body. In fact, it's a healing mechanism, but they've coined a, frame, a phrase called inflam aging because inflammation actually creates wrinkles amongst other things and inflammation is when the body's immune response is switched on and then basically doesn't get switched off so it's natural and it should be happening in the body so if you break your arm it swells and that's a good thing because it's warning you that you have something wrong with it but at some point it needs to switch off that healing process and if it doesn't you end up with an inflammatory condition and anything with an itis is really inflammatory so gastritis or osteoarthritis or whatever you know an itis there they tend to be your inflammation um your digestion is very important 70 percent of your immune system is in your gut um, it also um, holds 90 percent of your serotonin which is your mood so always keep your gut in good health oxidation happens naturally in the body people have probably heard of antioxidants yeah so um oxidation is caused because we breathe in oxygen basically and it causes free radicals and those free radicals um need to be mopped up by the by the antioxidants before they join onto cellular onto your cells and basically destroy your cells so it's better to eat as many antioxidants as you can in order to clear up that process and then keeping your hormones in balance so it sounds very complicated, but it's basically acidity, inflammation, digestive slowdown, oxidation, and hormonal balance. Fantastic. And those are the five aging processes. Those are the aging processes. So I mean, even hormones, I mean, people know you go crazy with hormones. And those are not just your sex hormones. You know, if you're, if you're diabetic and you're using insulin, that's a hormone. If your um, serotonin is a hormone. So hormones drive us. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to ensure that they are kept in balance. So all of these processes are very important. Absolutely. And you do talk about them in a lot more detail in your book. So that's in Elizabeth's Eat Yourself Young book. But I have to say that the book is really light, can I just say, because it sounds very heavy, but actually it's got a little avatar in it, little bubbles that give really good advice and and sort of it's done with lots of sort of drawings and fun stuff so it's not it sounds like it's going to be a heavy book but actually it's very light-hearted 
Absolutely, <laughs> no, bite-sized chunks of information and you break it down, the information in sort of layman's terms that everyone can understand. So Yes, no, that's, that's the idea. It's supposed to be sort of like a bedtime book. You read like a couple of pages at a time and get to know yourself. Yes, and then you wake up motivated in the morning to go and make exactly. lots of yummy food. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the other thing you talk about a lot in your book is your eat yourself young philosophy. So can you just sort of talk us through this and talk about some of the foods that you recommend as part of this and your eat yourself young eating plan? Yes, so really I've identified, I mean, with, with the processes that are, that are aging, um, if you don't get them into balance, there are certain food types that exacerbate them. And unfortunately, you, you'll know them all because they're very obvious. But sugar, mm-hmm. salt, uh, dairy, meat, that's, um, you know, and bad fats. So all of these things people tend to overconsume, And they're also the sorts of things that a manufacturers tend um, to process. So salt and sugar is used to process foods. Um, and... And so is, by the way, bad fats, so saturated fats that are, you know, um, that are in a lot of these foods. And the thing about it is it's it's very addictive Mm -hmm. because manufacturers are terribly clever and um, they obviously create foods that you're going to want to buy again. And the body gets into this kind of craving for these high salt, high fat, high sugar diets. And what happens is, is that people begin to put on weight it then draws on their insulin. You then get diabetes or other problems. It also creates acidity in the body, which can create joint pain. So you can see the cascade, mm-hmm. which is why I say be careful of these products because if you're having them every day, um, they, are going to be, they are going to be drawing down on one of those five processes. So you're either going to be making yourself acidic or you're going to be exacerbating an inflammation. Um, you're definitely going to be creating digestive problems and if not it, hormonal issues. So be very careful. I mean, da- I, I point out dairy because unfortunately a lot of the dairy product has inflammatory response to it. So, you know, we as humans shouldn't really be drinking other animals' milk, um, which is in effect breast milk. So we we don't all of us can't consume that on the enormous basis that we do consume it on and feel okay at the end of it because our bodies simply can't process it. I mean, a cow has six stomachs in order to process their milk. Um, so I'm not saying don't ever drink it or touch it again, but be mindful of it. You know, if your nose begins to run, if you feel sort of semi-stuffed up, if you've got asthma or eczema, dairy can be causing that issue. So that's how I get people to become a little bit more mindful about those five, I don't want to call them bad foods, but they are the foods that exacerbate those five processes. Okay, great. And so what foods should we be eating more of to help slow down aging and sort of keeping us looking more radiant? So if people, and as well, if somebody's cutting out dairy, what can they replace that with? Well, they're either, if you like the taste of milk, you know, then you can make your own almond milks or cashew milk or, you know, if you get any sort of nuts or seed, you can turn it into a milk just by putting it in a blender with some water and just blend it. The ones that have hard husks on the outside, you know, you, you just need to put through a muslin cloth or something 
but otherwise that creates milk and it and you get used to the taste you know i mean i love it so i mean but those people have never tasted it before might think oh this is a bit odd but then you get kind of used to it the great thing about them is that they have other benefits to them so for example if you have pumpkin milk you make pumpkin milk pumpkins have huge amounts of zinc in zinc is good for fertility you know but it's also good for your immune system so there's added benefits in all of this you know antioxidants i mean you can have great fun with antioxidants antioxidants aren't just your colored vegetables and fruits they also are your red beans which are high in protein so the pinto beans you know kidney beans and things like that and you can make some great dishes with those beans um both sweet and sour so you can make you know a stew with it for example or a hamburger but you then can also make um a paste a sort of a sweet paste with dates so that there's lots that you can do i mean lemon is very good it's a great alkalizer you can drink it in the morning first thing in the morning with water drink sort of 500 mls of of warm water and lemon very cleansing it flushes you out first thing in the morning because you detox at night so that's a great tip and if you've got you know an inflammatory condition and you feel very acidic there are certain types i mean turmeric is fantastic as an anti-inflammatory i mean um in in the indian ayurvedic they use it all the time it's very good for your skin it's good for your liver and it's very cleansing but at the same time it it has um hugely anti-inflammatory properties as does ginger garlic so you know we've got um there are certain anti-inflammatories that you can put in your food all the time and drink and you can make an anti-inflammatory drink absolutely and you can chuck a bit of turmeric into your lemon in the morning and exactly have a liver detox going on as well so exactly lovely some fantastic tips there thank you elizabeth so in terms of other sort of lifestyle factors so we've talked about the food so what other lifestyle factors should people consider with regards to looking and feeling their best what would be your top tips well you know i think people kind of forget the mind in all of this and in in all of my healing of people i found that if you don't engage their mind and they don't have this kind of positive outlook then it's very difficult to feel rejuvenated in any sense because your mind directs your hormones so if you want to feel good you know you have to have that cascade of hormones that are the feel good hormones and that's to do with your mental attitude towards things so it's you know exercise is very important routine is very important and knowing yourself is very important and when you feel a bit down you can indulge yourself in a little bit but it's very important to know how to get yourself out you if you find your mind being very obsessive and you can't sleep at night it's very important to know that you can say to yourself okay i've indulged myself in this train of thought for 2 minutes but now that's it i'm putting it in a little box and i'll come back to it later but i'm not going to go on for an hour thinking about this because actually i can't sleep and it's becoming obsessive and it's knowing when your thoughts are obsessive and your actions are obsessive and you're becoming sort of addictive in 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 the way that you are balancing your life because that can exacerbate any kind of youthfulness 
I mean, when somebody you can get a you can get a twenty year old walking down the street that looks like a fifty year old simply because they're hunching their shoulders, they're looking on the ground, and they're feeling down and depressed. You can get a sixty year old bouncing along the street, you know, head high, smiling, and they look thirty. So it's really an attitude. That's fantastic advice, Elizabeth. I completely agree. So your mental state and your mindset really does affect how we feel and especially how we look as well. So, and I think one thing that a lot of people do, if you're not feeling in that sort of, you know, you're feeling not in a good state of mind, then you're more likely to reach for the sugary foods or the caffeine, which then in turn causes more inflammation and more acidity, which then again, you know, affects us even further so some great tips there thank you yeah you've got it so just to finish up I'd like to ask you what's the one piece of advice you could give to somebody that wants to learn more about nutrition or natural medicine whether that be to become a practitioner or just to improve their own health gosh I mean it's just I said there um what's the one bit of advice I suppose the one bit of advice just believe in yourself that If you feel passionate about learning more, that um, there is so much out there that you can learn and you only need to start to learn a little bit to get interested. So I suppose the tip is just try doing something small. So if it seems beyond you, Try, for example, if you're trying to go on a diet, just to take out one food group. And that might just be, you know, starchy foods or or it might just be bread um, or it might be for sugar, whatever it might be. And just start doing something small. And when it begins, when you begin to feel that kind of, do you know what I think is working for me? I want to learn more. Then you're going to get the bug. But don't beat yourself up beforehand because you will push yourself further and further and further away from achieving your goal. Give yourself just a little, a little grain of hope. Allow it, allow the seed because it will grow. And then from that, you know, you get your tree. So just, you need to plant the seed. So be gentle with yourself. Absolutely. And that's it. You don't want to. I think sometimes people think, oh, I've got to go and to learn more about nutrition. I've got to go and do like a a three-year diploma. And that's not the case. You can start with like a a short course, such as, you know, like the Nutrition for Everyday Living, which is just giving you those bite-sized information so that you can absorb it and then start implementing these things into your everyday life. And I think... um, it's 100% true. You know, you do get the bug and then you just want to learn more and more and more. And then before you know it, you're a practitioner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and I think that it is about, you know, some people can can just think, okay, three years, they're, they're, they're bought into it, they've dedicated it themselves to it and they're going to do it. And then there are other people, you know, who have a, have a slower journey and that is, that is absolutely fine. Um, but I think, to what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is don't set yourself up for failure. Because if you're somebody who thinks I can't do it, I'll never do it. And then you give yourself a goal that's unachievable, then you just keep buying into the same philosophy that you can't do. So it's about doing something that you know that you can do that's manageable and going from there, whatever that might be. Because I think that, I mean, you know, if anything, it's good to be addicted to something that's good for you. And I think this is kind of addictive because it, it, when it is good for you, you can see it working, you can feel better and you can, you know, feel more energy and feel 
um, I mean, I, I feel healthier and have a lot more energy than I did in my 20s. A lot more. A lot more bright brain power too. A lot more stamina, everything. So, yeah. you know, what's there not to like? Absolutely. And you can help so many other people, friends and family as well. So everyone benefits really. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, you've got, had some great tips and advice there, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I know it was such a pleasure. It was, it was great to be on board and I, and I hope that um, it's encouraged a few. Absolutely. No doubt. I think you've definitely inspired a lot of people there. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So now that's all we've got time for today. So you can find all the information discussed today and more about Elizabeth and her wonderful books in the show notes on the CNM website at www.cnmpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about nutrition, herbal medicine or naturopathy, check out CNM's range of short courses, including the Nutrition for Everyday Living or the Herbs for Everyday Living or one of the diploma courses for a more in-depth study program. Join us again next week when I talk to nutritional therapist and herbalist Izzy Kirkby about detoxification and the harmful toxins we have in our homes. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.